Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. And if you've been with us, you know that we've been kind of walking through just understanding the lies, not only uh, in culture, but the lies that we as believers can often fall prey to. And so we've been kind of digging in a little bit to some different scripture, but our key verse that we've been looking at is found in John chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 31, and it says this, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So I want to look at this for just a few moments. If you've been with us, you know that we started the series and we talked about the importance of God's word, the foundation in which, which we know that this is truth. It will always be truth. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter how things change in society. This thing stays the same day in and day out, and it will always be true. And so we started there, and then we, from there, went and we looked at a few different things. But one of them was that we don't just read the book, but we obey the book. And it's through our obedience that we actually can find freedom inside of that. And then we talked about the fact that, um, that God is the one that sets our identity Uh, Many of you, that was a struggle that as we've talked about that, you realized how often you are allowing the enemy to speak your identity, and God is saying, no, you are a child of God, and I will be the one to set your identity. And then last week, we dealt with fear. We talked about the lie of fear and how many believers still, even after knowing the truth and understanding the truth, many of us still walk in fear, and God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he he wants you to understand that he is fully in control. So today's lie that I want to talk about is that God wants you to be happy above all else. How many of you think God wants... No, don't don't answer that because you'll be embarrassed in a moment when you find out the answer. God does not... That is not a promise from God. He does not say that you will be happy above all things. He does want you to have joy in your salvation, however. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is based on our current circumstances, but joy is a product of our perspective. So we want to dig into this for just a little bit because I think that oftentimes we think that, oh, well, I'm a believer, and so now I should always just be happy. Happiness is an emotion. And if we believe this lie, then it brings us to some pretty not good places. And so for the first thing I want to do is I want to talk about the theology of happiness. Um, because I think many of us think that it is a theology, and we begin to walk this out, and I want to explain to you why it's dangerous and why the enemy uses this lie, because it, it actually can tweak our thought process and make us not who we're supposed to be. So as we look at the theology of happiness, the first one is, if God wants me happy, then whatever makes me happy must be right. I will do what makes me happy, and many of us, that's our culture right now, right? Our culture, we believe in the Western culture that, that, um, that we should do whatever makes us feel good. 
You, you, we see it throughout everything that you watch. It's all about making yourself feel good in, in whatever your circumstances it are. And the reality is, is this. You're going to go through seasons where you're happy. You're going to go through seasons where you're unhappy. You're going to have days where you're happy. You're going to have days where you're not happy. And if you make your decision every time you don't feel happy to try and change things up, you're going to find yourself in some very dangerous positions. As a pastor, I will have people come and they'll sit down with me on, on a fairly regular basis and talk about how their marriage isn't making them happy right now. Well, my marriage isn't making me happy. My wife isn't making me happy. My husband isn't making me happy. And so maybe if I, if I move on to a different relationship, then I'll be able to find happiness. I mean, you know that what you do is you end up setting yourself up for more and more misery. And I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, if you are basing whether your marriage is a success on whether you're happy every day or not, there is no one that will ever have that marriage. There are days where marriage is, is happiness, it is bliss, it is joy, and then there are days when it is not. And my wife is not in the room, so I can say all kinds of things today. No, I'm not, just kidding. She's probably watching online, so I cannot... But we need to understand that this is, this is a, a lie that the enemy tells to get us into a snare of this, of this misinformation. And so the next part of the theology of happiness, number two, is discomfort, delay, risk, suffering, uh, inconvenience, and obstacles can't be in God's will. Now, if you believe that part of this, then you have not read Scripture. I mean, men and women of God, you read scripture and you see that it was all about obstacles and all kinds of things that got in the way of what they wanted. It was all about delay and risk and suffering. All of those things were part of the plan so that God could bring to fruition what he needed to. Just ask Joshua if, how happy his life was. When David sought happiness on his own, he found trouble. But when he sought God, he found victory. So all we have to do is look at Scripture and we can see that it's when we chase God that we end up finding victory. When we chase happiness, we'll find ourselves in all kinds of trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. When you chase God, you will have happy moments, but it doesn't mean that your life is going to be happy. It doesn't mean that every part of your existence you're going to be happy with. Happiness is fleeting. You can be happy one moment and unhappy the next. Number three in this is all of a sudden we can begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. And I think that for Western culture, this is one of the things that we are very guilty of. That we have come to a place where we feel like we've earned it. I feel like, you know, I've worked hard for a long time. And so I should be able to have comfort. I should be able to have pleasure. I should be able to have all the things that I want that I think will bring me happiness. And so we sacrifice what God is asking us to do in order to chase after what the world tells us will bring us happiness. Now, if you think that's going to bring you happiness, all you have to do is, is turn on entertainment tonight. If, is that even still a show? I don't even know if that's still a show. But look at celebrities and look at what they're doing. They, they have all the things that the world says you should have, and they are not they are not living a life of happiness. They are living, they're, they're switching partners all the time. They're changing from, from one thing to the other to the other because they're still seeking happiness. It's a lie that the enemy tells. 
God has, is not a happiness dispenser that exists to make your wishes come true. Amen. It's not his job. It's not who he is. Can I just tell you, God doesn't exist to serve us at all. Hallelujah. We exist to serve God. We get that backwards a lot because we come to church and we worship and we pray and then we say, God, this is my needs. Here's my wish list. You need to do what I'm asking you to do. And if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, then I'm going to really struggle in my faith journey. God is not your happiness dispenser. He is not the one that, that serves you. We serve him. We hear that, but we don't fully let that register. Can I just put it this way to you? If, if you believe what I just said, if you believe that we are here to serve him, if I was to, as the pastor of this church, say, hey, you know what? I, I need to hire another staff member. And so I said, you know, we've got like Hunter's doing a lot of the media. Seth's doing a lot of the media. Even Nikki's doing some media. And we need to, we need to hire a media director. That's what we need. We need. That's the next position we need. So I, we put it out there. We, we find somebody. They come in and they say, hey, I'm, I'm the media guy. I know how to do all this stuff. We're like, that's amazing. We're going to hire you. And so like day one, we give them a little training. This is our gear. This is how it all works. Day two, I come up and they're sitting up in the media room and they're sitting on their phone going through Instagram. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? You know, how's that project that I gave you? They're like, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that today. I'm like, okay, are you working on something else? Nah, you know what? I'm just content, happy to just be here looking at my Instagram right now. Um, so I come back a little later and same thing. And they're like, yeah, you know, that doing the media stuff isn't really making me happy right now. So I'm going to just kind of do some stuff that's bringing me some joy. I think I'm going to go for a little walk here in a bit. And I might go take a little extra lunch. How many of you know that that isn't going to last real long with me, Right. <laughs> Because they're here to serve the church. We're not here to serve them. I mean, can you imagine if I was going through that and they're like, yeah, would you mind just turning the temperature down a little bit in here? It's a little warm. And could you also get me some lunch? Because I would like it if, if I could, you know, maybe just get me something to eat and they start telling me what to do. Many of us do that with God. We're here to serve him. He's not here to serve us. Many people get disheartened because their view of God is warped. You hear people say, well, I tried church and it didn't work and I'm still, because I'm still unhappy. Well, if we believe the lie that God wants me to be happy, when I'm not happy, then it means he must have failed. Or maybe even a worse conclusion that he's not even real. And I think a lot of people leave the church because they're under this false lie that they believe that they're supposed to be happy all the time. And if, if your happiness is tied to, well, if God's real, if God is good, if he's doing what he's supposed to do, then I will just be happy. Then it isn't long before you will become disheartened and you'll walk away from church. Right. It was interesting this last week. I don't know if many of you probably saw this because it was going around social media, but uh, Bill Johnson, who's the, the pastor at Bethel Church in Reading, he preached last weekend, and it was three days after losing his wife to cancer. And I want to read you this quote. Many of you probably saw this as it was going around, but I just really, as I was thinking about this message this week, I thought, this guy gets it. He understands. This is what he said in his sermon this week. He said, God is not a vending machine that I get to put a quarter into and withdraw from him what I want. He chooses what he gives. 
But it is the wicked at heart that say, God didn't, give, didn't do what I wanted. He is a liar. May I never be found critiquing God when things don't go my way. May I always be found having a heart ready to be critiqued by him. Is God my friend? He is. But he is my Lord first. And I'll never have the pain I'm feeling right now in eternity. So in this moment, it is a privilege to respond rightly to the Lord of my life with a deeper trust and devotion. I will bow before the lamb on the throne in awe and worship him forever. But never will I have the face-to-face -face chance to do while I'm in pain. So in this moment, I choose to do that. When I said yes to Jesus, I gave up the right to fully understand or be in charge of my life. What an amazing, amazing word. To be in a position where anybody would have said, hey, you know what, your wife just passed away. Take a couple months. Go, go mourn and go do what you need to do. But in that moment, and I, I've heard him talk about things like this before where he said, it's in that moment that I have this chance to bring a sacrifice of praise. Yeah. Yeah. To say, as much as it's hard to do, I'm going to sacrifice right now and I'm going to praise yeah. And, and for him to be able to, again, look towards eternity and say, in eternity, there will be no mourning. There won't be an opportunity to, to worship through mourning because there is no mourning in heaven. Right. So I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity to praise him still. Yes. See, if he was a guy that just said, hey, God just promised me and said I could have happiness throughout my whole life, how disappointed he would have been last weekend. But instead... He said, I'm going to surrender it, and I'm going to trust him, and, and don't come to a place where we think we get to tell God what he should or shouldn't do. Can I tell you that God does enjoy it when you're happy? God is a good father, and he loves you, and he wants, he wants to see you smile. He wants to see you enjoying your life. He wants all of those things for you, but it's not his number one priority. As parents in the room, you've heard us talk before about parenting, and the thing that, that I think is confusing in this generation is so many parents want to be their kid's best friend. They want their kid to always be happy with them. And can I tell you, if your child is always happy with you, you are doing it wrong. Because as a good parent, there are, there are boundaries, there's restrictions, there's hard that you have to impart for your child. And in that, they're going to say that. I, I'll have parents of teenagers that will talk to my wife and I, and they'll say, oh my goodness, they, they keep telling me that they hate me. How many of you had teenagers that said they hate you? You're doing it right. It's good. It's good. They should hate you every once in a while. It builds character. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. If they agree with all your decisions, then you are not doing it right. The primary job of a parent is not to keep my children happy. It's to make them good people. Right? Same with our, our Heavenly Father. His primary job is not to keep us happy. It's to make us good people. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue him. Amen. There's something different about that mindset. 
Because that mindset says, whatever God you want, that's what I want. Now, will you find happiness in that? Absolutely. Will your, will your priorities shift and you find joy in things that you wouldn't think you'd find joy? Why is it that you could come out here on a Saturday and you will see people doing manual labor in the lobby, standing out in the parking lot in the blazing sun today with big smiles on their face? Because they understand, they got to a place where they said, I'm going to surrender my Saturday and I'm going to come and help. And in that, all of a sudden, something inside of them went, ooh, I like that. Ooh, that feels good. That feels good to be able to come alongside and help somebody. That feels good to be able to provide. That was good to be able to pray with that family. That was good. And now, all of a sudden, now we are finding happiness where before it would have been like, oh, I'm not going to be happy because I'm stuck in town this weekend and I'd like to go to the lake. But I guess since I'm already here, I'll go to church. Not happy about it, but I'll go. But instead, now all of a sudden when I say, hey, God, what's your priorities for me? And I begin to align those priorities, then things that wouldn't have made me happy before begin to make me happy. So there are some times that God doesn't want you happy. And so we're going to talk about those real quick. The first one is when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 14. We don't have it for the screen, but it says this, a way that seems right to a man, but only leads to death. So there are things in our life, again, going back to even my example that I used before. If, if I'm married and I go, you know what? Right now I'm not super happy in my marriage. So I, I go, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm done with this. And I go, I'm going to go find someone else. I mean, you know, I may be happy for a, a short season, but... It's short season, and God does not want me to do that because it goes against his word, right? The things in your life that you're like, oh, well, I think God wants me to be happy. If they go against what this thing says, then God does not want that for you. God does not want that for you at all. And so when you start saying things that, oh, well, you know what? It's fine that, that we, uh, we, go to, we go to church you know, nine months out of the year, but for those three months in Montana where the weather's nice, I, you know, I just, I take my family and we leave town for that time. And I know I'm preaching to the wrong people because you're actually in church tonight. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is, is, does that what God's word says? God's word says that he's to be a priority and that we're to raise our children in the way that they should go. And so if, if you're not doing that and you're justifying it because, oh, it's where we find our happiness. It's for my kids to be happy. It's for these whatever. If it goes against his word, then you're doing it wrong. First yeah, right. Peter chapter 1, verse 15. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. So God called you to be holy, not happy. The verse says nothing about happiness there. It says you're called to be holy. Imagine the logic that we often use. Imagine if we applied it to our children. For those of you who have kids in the room, if you said, hey, listen, here's the deal. Here's the rules of the house. Uh, these are all the things that, that your mom and I want. We want you to live in this particular way uh, unless these things don't make you happy, right? You got to live under my rules unless they don't make you happy, then you can do whatever you want, right? How many of you know 
you're going to have chaos in your home. You can't say, hey, these are the boundaries, these are the rules, but if something doesn't make you happy, you just do whatever you want. But many of us, that's the way that we live our faith journey. We say, we say yeah, I think God's got some really good things in here. There seems to be some, some decent boundaries that he set. Some of them I like, some of them I don't. And I'll stick inside those boundaries unless I can find happiness on the other side of the boundary. Whew, you're quiet in this room tonight. All right, moving on. I've watched people in my life go from one thing to the next to the next because they can't seem to find happiness. And all the while, it's shallow and it never works. It becomes easy to justify doing the wrong thing when we live under the false pretense of happiness first. So how can a, so many Christians move in with their boyfriend or their girlfriend before they're married when the Bible is clear about premarital sex? Yet it's rampant in the church. How is that? Because we put our happiness before his word. And this false idea that, that if it makes you happy, then, then it's fine. But can I tell you, every time we do that, every time we pick our happiness over what his word says, we actually are settling for less and less and less. Because if we believe that God loves us and he sees us and he has plans and dreams and desires for us, if we believe that he has our best interest at heart, if we believe that he created us, that he knew you before time began, that he understood the plan that he had for you, and you begin to move that boundary so that you can be happy, then what happens is you're messing with the creator of the universe's plan for your life. And anytime you're going against him, then that means you're settling for less than what he has for you. The next time he doesn't care about you being happy is God doesn't want you to be happy based on what the world says will make you happy. 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 15 says this, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us is gratification of the flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. We settle for fake when God has real. You are sold fake day in and day out. You can't watch TV. You can't pay attention to social media without fake being shoved down your throat. It is constantly showing you this is what will make you happy. This is what you should pursue. And then life will be good for you. Chase these things and then you'll, you'll find fulfillment. And the reality is, is if we truly believe that God is the one who created us and he loves us, then we should put our, our hope and our trust in him and not the things of this world. And I love the way this is written because it says those things are incompatible with what God says. You can't chase them both. You can't pursue what the world says is going to make you happy and pursue what God has for you. But many of us have bought into the lie that we can. So if God says 
He wants, if God doesn't say he wants me to be happy, then what is it that he does want? He wants you to be blessed. And can I tell you that blessed is better than happy anyhow? Happy is an emotion and it is fleeting. It doesn't mean that you won't have a bad day still, but you will have him in your view when you go through the storm. Like that's the difference, right? So when you go through a storm and you are in a place where you're putting your hope and your trust in him, you can go, God, I know that you are able. And I, some of you right now, you are in the middle of a storm. And if maybe your faith is even shaking tonight. And I just want to encourage you in this moment, keep your eyes on him. Put your trust in him because he is always faithful. John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we love the take heart, I've overcome the world part, but this, if this was the brochure for faith, right in there it says, hey, you're going to have trouble, yep. right? Hey, did I mention there's trouble? In this world, you're going to have some trouble. Yep. So why is it that when we have trouble, it begins to shake us? Like, oh, I didn't see this coming. It's in the book. He said it's coming. Trouble's coming, right? But take heart because he's overcome the world, right? And the thing is, is there's so much of our life that we live assuming at, like the rest of the world, like this is it for us. We get the, you know, 80, 90 years on this planet and then it's over. This is a breath. This is a whisper. This is dust compared to eternity. But we have raised a generation that pursues happiness They've watched their parents shy away from many things that are uncomfortable. But God loves you more than you can imagine. But he still sets boundaries, and they may interfere with your happiness. Why? Because he ultimately wants you to be blessed. He's called Father throughout Scripture, not BFF. Hallelujah. That's the word right there. Right? As your dad, he looks out for you. He sets boundaries for you. He sets things in your life because he wants you to be success, successful. And if you've been with us during this series, we've talked about this, that truth equals love. That when we speak truth to someone, it's because we love them. It's because we, we see in them what God has for them. And if they're, if they're shying from that, then we want to speak that into their life and say, God loves you, and I'm sorry that you're broken and that you're hurting and that, that you're making decisions that are based on, on maybe wounds that are in your life. But I want to tell you right now that there's restoration and there's peace and there's love and there's a future for you. And for many of us, we don't want to speak those things because we're afraid it'll come off bad or they'll, they'll be upset with us. And I'm telling you that truth equals love. Yes, preach it, son. Psalm 97, may all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. So here's where it talks about us being happy, but it's being happy in the Lord. It's not being happy in this world. It's not being happy with all the stuff that you got. It's being happy in the Lord. Max Lucado tells a story and he talks about a fish that is out of water and on the beach. And he asks the question, is that fish happy? And the answer obviously is no. That fish is not happy being on the beach and out of the water. 
But what if you were to put a pile of cash next to that fish? Would that make it happy? How about if you put like a little drink with an umbrella and some sunglasses for that little fish? Would that make him happy? He'll never be happy on the beach because he wasn't designed for the beach. Ecclesiastes, God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. You weren't made for this earth. This isn't your home. As we accept Christ, we need to understand that this is not our final dwelling place. So when we're seeking happiness here and we're not finding it, what we need to realize is this place was never meant to fulfill you. He created it so that we can go and we can change the world. He made it so that you and I can come to a right relationship with him. I read this in a devotional at one point, and it stuck with me ever since, so I looked it back up again, and it says this, unhappiness on earth cultivates a hunger for heaven. By gracing us with deep dissatisfaction, God holds our attention. The only tra tragedy then is to be satisfied prematurely, to settle for earth, to be content in a strange land. If you got everything you wanted on earth, you would never want heaven. That's right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen. What an amazing verse. You see that it says heaven is beyond our imagination. We can't even envision it. At our most creative moment, in our deepest thought, in our highest level, we still cannot fathom eternity. So instead of fighting for happiness here on earth at all costs, we need to fight to fill heaven. That's what we're designed for. When we accepted Christ, we accepted a job. And that job is to serve God, but it's also to be in that position of understanding that God's will for us as believers is to reach those who have not been reached. To tell them about this hope that comes from relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're walking around here and all of your energy and effort are being put into finding happiness here, then you are like the world because that's what the world does. But if all of a sudden people begin to see you and they realize, you know what, that's not their goal. That's not their purpose. That they're living their existence to serve a God who loves them and sees them. I love that part of that devotional because it's so important for us to be reminded of the fact that if we were to pursue all the happiness that we could ever find on this earth, then it would make us never long for heaven. And as, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should long for heaven. We should long for eternity with him. We should long to be by his side. We should long to, for the days of worshiping him. And we should know that that's what we were created for. We were created to worship him. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and get ready. As we close out in these last few moments, I just really want to encourage many of you. I feel like for some of you today, you needed to hear this word because you are in the middle of pain. You're in the middle of hurt. You're in the middle of even feeling some level of despair this evening. And I think back to what Pastor Bill said last weekend as he preached in the midst of what must have been horrific pain. But to say, in this moment, I'm going to worship through my pain, I'm going to praise. Yeah. I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to know that he is good. And, 
And it's one thing if we have faith when we're on the mountaintop and everything is great, but it's another thing to have faith when we're in the valley and we can't see what's even in front of us. And for some of you tonight can either be that moment where you leave going, I'm even more upset because I don't understand why these hard things are coming my way. Or you can be in a position of surrender tonight. You can say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm surrendering it to you and God, I'm not pursuing happiness right now. I'm pursuing you and I'm pursuing your will and I'm pursuing, pursuing your desires for my life and I'm trusting you with my pain. I'm handing you this and I'm making a sacrifice tonight of praise. Some of the hardest moments in my life, I remember having that, that, that opportunity to make a decision. Are you going to worship or are you going to have a pity party for yourself? Are you going to praise or are you going to give up? In any of those instances where I chose to worship, I had some of the most tender and incredible moments with the Lord that I've ever had. Because there's something about a sacrifice of praise. When we're praising, even when we don't feel it. When we're worshiping, even when it doesn't make sense. God's called us to be holy, not happy inside of that when we pursue him we will find happiness like you can't find in this world it comes as a bonus not the thing you're pursuing I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for a moment as we wrap up this time together I just want to take a moment I want to pray because I believe that there are many in this room right now I just even this week I've heard hard things going on in our church family I've heard, I've heard things that make people struggle to understand. And maybe I haven't heard your story, but I know that there are many in the room of just difficult seasons right now. And I just want to pray over everyone in this room. And we're going to open it up, and I'm going to just challenge you, whether you are happy today, if you're unhappy, if you're scared, if you're sad, if you're hurt, that we'll give a sacrifice of praise tonight and we'll just worship because he's worthy. He didn't come to serve us. We are serve, we're here to serve him. God, I thank you so much that you are faithful. And Lord, I know there are some within the sound of my voice right now that they are struggling because it doesn't feel faithful today. But God, I pray in this moment they'll make a decision to make a sacrifice of praise. That they'll trust you in their pain. That they'll realize that the pursuit of this life is not to be happy here, but it is to pursue you and to chase you and to know you more. So God, wherever we find ourselves tonight, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. I just really feel like some of you tonight as you're worshiping tonight, and you are in the middle of it, and you don't know what you'd even say thank you for, you need to just keep saying thank you to him. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Thank you for all the storms that you've brought me through to this point. Thank you for the storms that you helped me to avoid that I'll never know about till one day. Thank you 
for my family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And begin to make your mouth say thank you even though you don't feel it right now. So God, we give you this sacrifice of praise. We ask God that you just have your way in this room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. The altars are open. There'll be prayer teams here if you need prayer. But let's just worship him tonight, amen. Thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.